Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. As if college football couldn't get any better, we get those rivalry games that just mean a little more. The tempers on the field get high and the fans are in a frenzy as bragging rights are on the line. So we break down the cream of the crop with my next guest right here. It's time for the College Football Legends Podcast. The players. We're going to hit somebody and we're taking down the field for a touchdown. I guarantee you that. The coaches. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The plays. There goes Davis! Oh my God! Davis is going running all the way back! And so much more. College football legends. Heroes come and go, but legends live forever. Believe in college football legends on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Chris Smith. The NFL season is in full swing, and even though you might not be at the game, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. Plus, there's always that online casino as well. The best part about it, it never closes. You can play 24-7. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Rivalry Week, a time we circle on the calendar before the college football season even kicks off. Some are in-state showdowns or a battle for border supremacy, and a few are as old as the game itself. There's funny nicknames, patriotic respect, gargantuan trophies, and some we wish would just come back. And here to reveal the best rivalries in all of college football is my special guest on the show, Jeff Mazidlo, sports writer at Yard Barker and Field Level Media, and oh my gosh, so many other platforms. Thanks for joining me, Jeff. Hey, great to be here, Chris. Thank you so much. All right. Well, you write some of my favorite articles, especially on Yard Barker. One in particular was titled The 25 Best Rivalries in College Football. Now, they might not have had the best records, but there's always fireworks when these teams collide. So let's dive right in to the top rivalry games. And clocking in at number five is one of my personal favorites, the Georgia Bulldogs and Florida Gators in what used to be known as the world's largest cocktail party. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm upset that they're, they can't use that slogan anymore. And whenever I write it, I still put that in because I think it's very cool. You know, it's one of those games where it literally is a party. It's, it's a, the atmosphere makes it as much of a rivalry and lends to the excitement as, as you know, as, as the actual game does. Uh, and I think, you know, the fact now in recent years that these two teams have been, you know, vying for, for a spot in the SEC championship game is, is definitely, uh, has this kind of, you know, up the ante a little bit. And, uh, you know, this year was one of the, the more exciting games, you know, Florida had, had not won that, you know, they were riding a three game losing streak coming into that game. And then they just really turned it up in the second half and, and, and won 44, uh, uh, 28. And I think that, you know, that game you look back on and depending how things play out, uh, in the next couple of weeks, that's going to be a really big, uh, uh, game to look back on in terms of, you know, you know, positioning for the, uh, the postseason. Exactly. And like you said, the atmosphere is unbelievable. But number four rivalry may have the most intimidating name. It's the Iron Bowl. What makes the annual Auburn-Alabama matchup so special? Well, I think, again, this is a game that, you know, goes back the tradition of it, obviously. Uh, And the fact that the fans of these two teams don't really like each other. And unfortunately, it kind of turned, you know, pretty serious when they, they poison the trees 
uh, at Auburn. <laughs> They've made documentaries about this rivalry because it's, it's gone beyond the field, but there have been some great games. I think, you know, a lot of people will, will probably remember, go back to 2013 in the, uh, the infamous, I don't know, if you're an Alabama fan, it's, it's infamous. And if you're an Auburn fan, it was, it, it was one of your most lasting football memories of the uh, kick six where Chris Davis took the last second uh, missed Alabama field goal back for a touchdown, field goal attempt back for a touchdown and, and, and Auburn stunned uh, uh, Alabama. Uh, Alabama got, you know, they, they, you know, actually this has been a series that Alabama has done. It has kind of dominated in spurts over the years, uh, but actually the teams have split the last four meetings. Alabama you know, had a decisive win this year and, you know, they're, they're teams that, it really depends kind of you know where you're playing this game. Auburn has done relatively well in recent years at home. Alabama, meanwhile, uh, has has succeeded in you know in, in their place. And yeah, I think the name, the Iron Bowl, I think that's just you know the and it kind of fits. You know, this is always a tough game. You know, there while the scores might be high, there is a lot of pushing and shoving. There's a lot of uh, aggressiveness, and it's just a it's everything you expect from a rivalry, an in-state rivalry, especially. Exactly. You know, it's a, it's always a stellar matchup. And number three on your list has special fanfare. Tell me about the Oklahoma-Texas rivalry. This actually might be my favorite rivalry game. And again, this is another one that we talked about Georgia-Florida. This one is has got as much tradition as anything. It's played in October, and the, you know, around the same time every October. It's played at the historic Cotton Bowl in Dallas. Uh, an old stadium kind of, you know, needs some upgrades, which they've done. I've actually been there. Um, <laughs> and it's played during, well, except for this year, obviously we kind of with the, all the COVID situation, it's played normally during the Texas state fair. Yes. So, you know, you've got the big Ferris wheel going in the back, you've got the fried food vendors, you know, up per, uh, on your way into the stadium. And, uh, you know, you've got one side that's in the Oklahoma Burgundy and you've got the burnt orange of Texas. It, it's a, it's a packed state, and the games have been really good this in this rivalry, especially in recent years when Texas has kind of elevated itself up to to uh, you know kind of being in that Big Twelve picture as far as a contender. And this year, especially, I mean, even though there were fans there, limited amount of fans, but this year might have been one of the most exciting games I think in recent history, maybe of all time. In this, it went four overtimes. It looked like Oklahoma was going to win. Texas came back. For, you know, some extra sessions. Oklahoma ended up winning it 53-45. That's their third straight win in the in the series. But to me, just that atmosphere that, you know, it's always when, when it's able to be, it's always packed. Uh, adding the, the fair element to it and just the the on ground atmosphere is kind of what it's all about. It, it doesn't really matter sometimes. You know, you that cliche, throw the records out when some teams meet. I think this is one case where no matter where your teams are in in the season and what amount of success they have, and it's early in the season, relatively early, this is one game that everybody, fans of these two teams, and really college football, should look forward to. Yeah, and they also changed it from the Red River shootout to showdown. Yeah, and I think this is the political correctness. Again, that's another one that you'd like to go back and you know, you know, you, you get you get what it meant, but you can't really say that stuff anymore. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But hate may be the best word to describe these Big Ten rivals. Talk about how important the Michigan Ohio State game is. Well, it's it's important for Michigan because they haven't won in a lot of years, and you know, it's I think it's even taken on a little bit more. You know, so Ohio State's won eight in a row and fifteen of the last sixty, and it's really become a sore point 
for for Michigan uh, fans. They have no bragging rights whatsoever. And I think it's even more so that Ohio State has kind of been this perennial, you know, they've been the face of the Big Ten as far as on the national scene, and Michigan's trying to catch up. And this year, you know, Buddy Kurt Herbstreit threw some fuel on the fire uh, oh boy. about saying, you know, well, you know, maybe, you know, Michigan again not playing this week because of COVID issues. Um, well, maybe they're just going to pack it in and not play next week either because, you know, some of these teams are using the virus as a, as a way to not play games they know they might not win. Now, again, that's, we don't know, but it's, it's, it's great drama. But yeah, this is the one where, you know, if you're at Ohio State, you refer to Michigan as that team up north uh, or from the north. And if you're uh, at Michigan, you don't even say the word. You just, you, you say, <laughs> you know, and then you do say, uh, I think they just refer to them as Ohio. And then when you, when you do say it, it's, oh, how I hate Ohio State. You know, that's, that was a, a Bill McCartney uh, a slogan when he was a, an assistant coach uh, at Michigan. But, yeah, but this is one where the teams do not like each other. Um, you know, coaches have lost jobs, and Jim Harbaugh could very well lose a job because he's never won one of these games. And, yeah, it's, it's one of those where these are the, the history and the tradition of these programs just adds into the, the magnitude of the rivalry. And the people at Ohio State will argue, well, it's not much of a rivalry anymore, so that only makes it more intense for the folks at Michigan. So one of my favorites is I'm a Big Ten guy, and, and that's, uh, you know, that's kind of what I grew up on. So. Yeah, it's a fantastic game. Maybe they'll get a catchy name sooner or later for it, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we have a special guest on the show. We have Jeff Mazidlow, sports writer at Yard Barker, Field Level Media, and many other platforms. And the top game you have on your list is actually on my bucket list for sure. What does the Army-Navy game, why does that top your list? Well, I, I just think that that is the one game. And, you know, I just mentioned it about you don't need to worry about records. You don't need to worry about where these teams are because they're not playing for, they're, you know, they're never playing for a national championship. They're playing, it's all about pride. It's all about, obviously, the respect. You, you go from Michigan, Ohio State, where there is, you know, maybe there's not a lot of respect, <laughs> to uh, uh, two teams that, you know, understand each other. Uh, these service academy games are special just from the, you know, the, the, the week you, you, you go and you, if you, if you spend time around those programs that week, you've got, you know, Army week or beat Army or beat Navy I'd posted everywhere throughout their, their football uh, uh, buildings and, and their practice facilities and things like that. And it's guys who, you know, know what's going, what's going to happen or what their lives are going to be like afterward after school, uh, and it's just about, you know, it, it, it's healthy competition. It's respect. It's the pageantry of it all. You know, you're, 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 it's played at a neutral site. It's historic, but it's also something that it, it's, it's just a great, I think, example of sportsmanship. And it's something that I think anybody, like you said, it's a bucket list for you. I think anybody that is a fan of college sp- football, especially because obviously they play each other in other sports. But to sit down and actually watch that game and enjoy it, to me, that's the one game where it's appointment viewing for me, regardless of, of which team is doing better. And, uh, you know, Navy has uh, Navy actually uh, had dominated this, this series for a lot of years. Army won three in a row. The Navy just won last year, uh, won, you know, snapped that skid last year. This year, Army's got a winning record. Navy doesn't. But, again, you really never know what to expect. They're usually competitive. Both teams are running the option, so there's a lot of, you know, not always a lot of passing, uh, but the games still tend to go pretty long. But I just think it's 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 a great example of of what college football should be about, and just college athletics and 
and again, it's it's a special game that I think needs to be celebrated, uh, and especially this year. But uh, just the opportunity to to get those two teams out there is is, is important for the game. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping one of these days I'm going to get to it. But many of your top games are battles between in-state rivals. Let's start in the eastern half of the United States. In the southeast, you have Clemson versus South Carolina. Midwest, there is Iowa State, Iowa, and Michigan State, Michigan. Which is the best rival game of that group? I think the Michigan, Michigan State, to me personally, is is the one game because that's another one where you don't kind of always know what to expect. You know, and I think this year was a perfect example. These two teams are not very good this year. And Michigan State's kind of a little bit of an enigma. I mean, they they blow it out, but yet they go and they they go to Michigan, they win that game. Michigan, again, not a great team, but it's not easy to win in, in uh, you know, in Ann Arbor, regardless if there's fans there or not. Sure. But to me, this is another one where Michigan looks down on Michigan State. If you can remember years ago, Mike Hart, the Michigan running back, referred to Michigan State as Michigan's little brother. <laughs> um, that did not go over well. And, uh, you know, a few years ago, you had the infamous uh, uh, muffed punt by Michigan that Michigan State ran back in Ann Arbor to win the game uh, on that play at the end. And then this year, you know, uh, the teams have actually split their last four meetings. Um, and I don't think it's, it's no longer an intimidation game, but it's one where neither team likes each other, but it always tends, seems to, to be closer than you would think. And it's one where upsets are pretty somewhat common. Yeah, that's why you can't beat those in-state rival games. It hits just a little closer to home. And we're speaking with Jeff Mazidlow, sports writer at Yard Barker, Field Level Media, and many other platforms. you got to check out his work. And on the West Coast, there are a pair in La La Land first. The big game between Cal and Stanford is also USC, UCLA. And in the Northwest, Washington State and Washington grapple for the Apple Cup. What's your favorite West Coast matchup? I think you got to go with Stanford and Cal just because of, you know, what happened, you know, uh, way back in the early eighties when you had the infamous Stanford band play. Uh, I think that was, that to me is still one of my favorite college football moments where, uh, you know, Stanford's winning. There looks like they're going to go on and, and, and win the game at Cal and they squib kick and Cal gets it. They do a number of laterals back and forth. Eventually Kevin Bode, who was, uh, who was the player who eventually scored, uh, he finds himself free, and while the Stanford band is coming on to do their postgame, <laughs> and he ends up spiking the trombone player. Uh, uh, it's one of the great images of college football. Glad nobody was hurt. Uh, but it's you know it's it's a game. It's another uh, situation where the records don't necessarily matter. And uh, again, it's you know I, I've, I've I've been to both of those campuses. I haven't been to an actual game there, but they 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 really get into it. It's the one where you know, you're talking about it all week and, you know, they played this year again in, in kind of weird circumstances, but it's, it's just something where you have these, these two schools location, obviously is, you know, is much like USC, UCLA, although they're you know very close. Uh, you know, these two, two teams are not far away from each other. So it's easy to get to. Um, it's just, it's about football. And again, there's also a respect in that one. And I think that history, along with the fact that every year it seems to be relatively competitive, is kind of what you hope for in the rivalry game. Oh, definitely. And it's funny you brought up that uh, 1982 Cal-Stanford game. I got a chance to interview the play-by-play announcer for that game, Joe Starkey. Let me tell you, 
you got to listen to that episode of the podcast. The guy has incredible stories just beyond that play. But two things he mentioned was how upset uh, Stanford quarterback John Elway was after losing the game in that fashion and still was decades later. It's probably because he kept him out of a bowl game and he finished his career never playing in a bowl. Plus, Starkey wasn't thrilled with his initial call of the, the band is on the field. But uh, when he went back, he, he was fine with it because there was so much going on with the laterals and the band. Yeah, it's definitely a classic. And you also have two Notre Dame games in the top 25. Which is the better rivalry, the Fighting Irish clashing with Michigan or USC? I think the, you know, again, that the USC one has a lot of tradition. They actually both do. Now, Michigan-Notre Dame is not, they're, they're taking a break from that one, which is kind of a shame because that was always a good early year rivalry. I think, I think still USC Notre Dame to me is probably the, the bigger one because they've, they've played so many times and you go back to the, you know, just the stars, the star power. I mean, these are, these are perennial powers and, and the, the, you know, the number of the number of big names that have played in it, you know, you're playing at two historic places in South Bend and then at the Coliseum. And lately the games have been relatively close. Uh, I, I think, you know, unfortunately they're not going to be able to play this year, which, which uh, is a shame, but that's just, that's an old school rivalry. And, and, you know, the fact that Notre Dame, well, now they're at a conference for this year, but over the years, obviously haven't been, and, but there was those games you look forward to them playing. Michigan was one of them, but that was an off and on rivalry. USC is, is, you know, it's usually the last game of the year and it's a game that people look forward to. And it, it, it's one that, again, depending on who's, doing well it still doesn't necessarily matter because it's going to be close yeah you got to love the beauty of not playing in a conference but still holding on to the rivals and the sunshine state also boasts two rival games for florida state so what's your pick for the seminoles against florida or against miami i've always liked the miami one i think the florida state miami because you've had you know so many great games in that one you've had the missed field goals you've had the fact for a lot of years bobby bowden didn't really like who was whoever was coaching Miami, uh, you know, and it was, and again, you know, in, a, in that case, and kind of the same thing with Florida state, Florida is a lot of those players know each other because they're, you know, Florida, obviously a hotbed for college, for high school football. These guys are getting, you know, there are a lot of the elite athletes across the country at the college level come from Florida. It's a very competitive state. And so a lot of these guys know each other uh, on both teams. So there's kind of that, there's that personal rivalry in, in a lot of ways. And of course, the fact that, you know, these two will now, you know, Miami since coming into the ACC. So they're playing Florida State uh, every year. To me, that, that's one because it's more, it, it, you didn't get Florida, Florida State this year. But, you know, going forward, to me, Miami and, and Florida State has is, is always been a, been a pretty good one because they, those two teams, whether they're really good or they're not so good, they're, they're still competitive when they play. And I think that's what you could ask for in a, in a rivalry game is just, Make, let it be competitive. Let the, you know, there's, yeah, there's, there's going to be trash talking and things like that. But as long as it's close, even if the teams aren't that good, I think that's what fans appreciate. Yeah. And like you said, uh, the players know each other. So it makes it a little, even a little more special. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of them played high school together or played against each other. So having that opportunity to see him again is always a big deal. Yep. And we're speaking with Jeff Mazidlow, sports writer at Yard Barker, Field Level Media, and many other platforms. And there's a few not-so-well-known rivalries out there. 
but they also have a great, rich history. Starting with two teams only 20 miles apart, you got Lafayette and Lehigh, known as the rivalry, dating back to 1884. You got Division Three rivals DePaul and Wabash, who met first in 1890, and one simply known as The Game with Harvard and Yale, which dates back to 1875. Which is the most appealing of those time-tested rivalries? Well, to me personally, and, and I actually know, I, I, I know people who have gone to um, DePaul University and, and Wabash College in, in Indiana. Uh, they're separated uh, uh, Route 231 uh, east of Indianapolis, uh, Crawfordsville, Indiana for, for, uh, for Wabash and uh, Greencastle, Indiana for DePaul. Small schools, but this is their game. This is their, this is their, their national championship game. And it's like a week-long celebration. It's a party atmosphere. I mean, you're basically playing at high school stadiums. I mean, combined, these these two schools don't have 5,000 people. So this is like a homecoming game. Plus, they play for the Bodot Bell, which is this 300-pound trade trophy <laughs> that looks like a trade. Um, and it, you need, like, you know, a half dozen guys to hold it up. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, you know, whoever wins it. Um, but I, I know people who have gone to both schools, and they'll tell you that this is a big deal. And you know, there's that 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 heated rivalry, and they but there's a, it's a big party atmosphere. So I think for for the small school folks that that didn't go to a big university, that's a big deal. So that's one that appeals to me. Obviously, Harvard, Yale, and you know, it's the in the Ivy League. That's a that's a big deal. But um, and then of course, you know, you talked about the Lafayette Lehigh game, which reportedly is the, the one matchup with this between schools that have played the most in college football, depending on who you talk to. But for me, it's DePaul and and, uh, and Wabash. Nice. And some of the games have stopped for one reason or another. There was the backyard brawl between Pitt and West Virginia, which hasn't been played since 2011. And Texas A&M, Texas, which was put on hiatus when the Aggies left the Big 12 for the SEC. Which have you missed the most? I think for me, the the Pitt, uh, the Pitt, West Virginia one, I mean, that was, it really was a brawl. I mean, there were literally like fights in these games. And, uh, you know, there's, there's kind of that, you know, the, the, the big city attitude of Pitt with the, the rural, uh, you know, Mount, rugged mountain men had a, a image of, of West Virginia. But, it, you know, again, these are ones where, you know, a lot of these guys know each other. They've been recruited, you know, could have played together in high school. And, yeah, there's just, they're just, you talk about passion, you talk about it being aggressive. And, you know, some of these games have been crazy. Pitt's kind of dominated this series. Yeah, but they, they haven't played for a while, but they're apparently, again, to start up in 2022. 20, uh, so that's something to look forward to. Again, if that all plays out, I kind of don't know what the landscape of college football will look like going forward, uh, at least for the moment. But, you know, I think when you have, we don't condone violence or anything, but when <laughs> they really take it seriously, they really take it to heart, and you know, things can't get out of hand, those are, those are sometimes entertaining for people. Hey, brawl, brawl sounds like it's an aptly put name for uh, for that matchup. I don't know how long, much longer if they keep playing if they start, if they start up again and play consistently. I don't know how much longer they'll be able to use that if it's not politically correct. Uh, that's true. That's true. Everybody's been changing, <laughs> and we have on the show Jeff Mazidlo, sports writer at Yard Barker Field Level Media, and many other platforms. and And some of the rival games have some funny names. You got the Egg Bowl between Mississippi State and Ole Miss, the Holy War with BYU and Utah, and Bedlam between Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. In your opinion, which one of those has the best name? I like the Holy War one uh, for for Utah and BYU. And, 
you know, that kind of just goes back to because of the, you know, a lot of players, obviously at BYU and also at Utah, the, you know, they're of the Mormon faith. So they're just, we assume they're, you know, they're, they're God-fearing people who are you know, going to be nice to each other, and, but they're still, you know, they're intense. And it's, it's like, I think that's just more of a play on the location and where the schools are, are uh, hosted. But one of my favorite parts of that rivalry was uh, a few years back in 2015, where they actually met in the postseason in the Las Vegas Bowl. So it was dubbed the Holy War in Sid City, which I thought was, <laughs> which I thought was quite appropriate. And, you know, Utah has, dominated that that series they've won nine in a row and they weren't able to play they were supposed to play uh this year but obviously COVID changed that and it would have been really fun to see that and I don't think there's a way they can play uh now but it would have been fun because BYU was playing so well in 2020 um that it would have been great to see you know this could have been a year where BYU could have probably ended that streak but yeah the whole holy war uh is is kind of a you know it's, it's just I think it's a good fun but it also makes sense that when they played in Vegas, I thought that was really pretty uh, creative for them to come up with that little slogan. Yeah, that definitely is a good one. And going from uh, some great names to great trophies, which is the best? The Paul Bunyan Axe for the winner of the Minnesota-Wisconsin game or Indiana and Purdue's Old Oaken Bucket? I, I love the Axe just because whoever wins that game, the Axe is, you know, it's, it's sitting somewhere on the sideline and whoever wins it, they immediately run to grab it. And then again, it's like, you know, half the team is holding it. They're like fake chopping because that's another heavy one. And, you know, fortunately they're not, they're not taking off anybody's head, but, (laughs) um, but you know, that those are both of those games are one where the trophies really do. I mean, that's a big deal for those teams, you know, Minnesota and Wisconsin have been, you know, they've contended to the big 10, obviously Wisconsin has Minnesota had a great season last year. Um, They were canceled this year because of, because of COVID. But that's the you know that one and Indiana Purdue and Indiana Purdue I think especially because the teams are, have not necessarily been competitive for a conference title or if they are maybe it's Purdue one year now we've seen Indiana having success this year but they, these trophy games are sometimes the season for these teams and that's especially true for Indiana uh, Purdue but to me the the, the Paul Bunyan ask because it's just it's a great it's my favorite trophy I think out there that. Uh, that really needs to be celebrated. And it's fun, the celebrations afterwards when the team gets it, because, you know, you see like 50 guys trying to hold one stick and then like chopping, you know, into the air. You think they would make some, uh, some lighter trophies for some of these. That's for sure. You, would, you know, these things have been around in some cases, hundreds of years, and they didn't really care back then. So, um, and they would, but, but now, yeah, I mean, they'll do, they'll do anything to, uh, to, to grab a hold. That's fantastic. All right, it's time, time to go. Y'all ready for this? Three and out. It's time to go three and out with a sports writer, Jeff Mazidlo. Three lighter questions to close out the interview. First off, if you could attend two of the rivalry games in your top 25, which two are you going to be in the stands for? I would love to go to to the uh, the Red River Showdown, as, as, as I mentioned before. To me, that is you know just that atmosphere, to be part of that would be something special, you know, get there early, hang out, go to the fair for a little bit, eat a fried Twinkie, walk in, come back out, fill up on some more crap, go on the the Ferris wheel and have a good time. Hopefully, you know, the game's probably going to be good. Uh, So to me, that, that would be good. And then like you mentioned, Chris, Army Navy, uh, just, just to kind of say you were there and 
even though, you know, my, my dad was in the army, he actually fought in World War II. So that was kind of a game that he always watched. And when I was younger, much younger, I would, we would watch it together because, and I would always root for army because he was in the army. (laughs) So to to have a chance to, to, to see that, even though I don't have any ties to to either of those schools, just to be able to go to, to, to those two, I think would be definitely like you mentioned, a bucket list opportunity. Oh, definitely. And number two, I can't leave out your alma mater, Northern Illinois University. What is the big game or rival for your team? It, you know, it really depends. In recent years, it's been with Toledo because they have been the two two kind of perennial powers in the Mid-American Conference West Division. And they're, you know, Northern Illinois, Northern Illinois may go on, they may go winless this year. You know, they're only playing six games, it's tough, but they do play Toledo. But those have been, you know, usually it comes down to those two teams. Uh, Western Michigan has kind of slid in, 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 in a couple of cases over the last decade or so. But that game usually decides the, the conference or the division title. And um, Northern Illinois has actually played really well at Toledo. Uh, there's usually snow on the ground. They usually, you know, it's midweek matching, so you're getting the game on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night, so it's a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, I would say right now that's their biggest rivalry. Nice. And finally, I'm a foodie. I interview a lot of people from Chicago. So what is your go-to meal in the Windy City? Is it beef and cheese, pizza, or the hot dog? Uh, I'm a, I, I'd say I'd be, you know, if I had to pick between the two, I'd say uh, I'd be a beef guy. And there's so many choices. Everybody does it, and it just depends on how you like it. Um, you know, some of the best beef sandwiches around are and some of the least likely places. I mean, you could have a small shack on the corner somewhere on the south side, or you could have it at a, you know, a kind of an upscale uh, place that just has it as a, as a, you know, part of the menu on the side that they're not really known for. But yeah, you get a you get a good beef sandwich when you dip the roll in in, in, in the juice. Oh. Uh, you put a little mozzarella cheese on it, put some jardinier peppers. Uh, it's really, uh, it's definitely a treat. And if you want to get really into it, you can throw in a, uh, a piece of Italian sausage as well. You get the combo. Wow. There you go. (laughs) A little hint, little tricks of the trade there. Which is a big Chicago thing. And I didn't realize when I, I didn't realize that it was maybe it, it is just a Chicago thing because, uh, one of my jobs, I worked with a lot of guys from New York. And they came over and they're like, wow, I didn't realize, I never heard of this combo sandwich. I go, yeah, the beef and the, the sausage, uh, that's a uh, that's a staple around here. All right. Well, you heard it here first. And we've been speaking with Jeff Bezidlo, sports writer at Yard Barker, Field Level Media, and many other platforms. I encourage everybody to go out and check out his work. It's incredible. And thanks for joining me, Jeff. No problem, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Believe in College Football Legends podcast. Make sure to check out all the prior episodes with Heisman winners, legendary coaches, and sports personalities reliving the greatest plays. You can tweet your questions at the Sports Jesus and join us next week because it will be legendary. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.